This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery. Bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to Total Saints Podcast, episode 58, the dedicated weekly podcast going to the heart of all things Saints. My name is Ben Stanfield, at Ben Stanners on Twitter, and I'm joined by our regulars, Adam Leach, at Adam Leach Sport, the Chief Sports Writer at the Daily Echo, and Steve Grant, at Steve Grant 1983, owner of Saints Web and season ticket holder at St Mary's. Evening chaps, good to have you uh, both back with us. Evening. Evening. Yeah, we missed you last week, Steve. We did, didn't we? Yeah, it must have been, uh, yeah, it must have been a bit weird, only the two of you on there. It was, yeah, it was, not, it was uh, the Leech residence, obviously. I could look Ben in the eye as well, which was even stranger. I know. Ter- ter- a terrifying prospect. Well, oh, exactly, goodness. exactly. And, and on reflection, bearing in mind the, the bashing that the Queen's got this week, Adam, I was thinking that it was uh, slightly uncomfortable now, not only the stag on the wall, but the fact that you had that massive gold piano behind you when we were talking. Well, that's for when Elts comes round. Yeah. Yeah, you know, he sometimes comes round, especially at Christmas, you step into Christmas, he's knocking that one out on the piano, and, uh... <laughs> I don't want to know, I don't want to know what he's knocking out on the piano, I'll be editing I'll that bit out. Stuff out the... <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's all gone mad already, good. Um, Excellent Freudian slip there. Yeah, it's brilliant. Um, how was your Christmas anyway, Steve? Um, fairly uneventful, apart from spending far too long on the M, going up and down the M3. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, managed to get plenty of football in with every one of Saints games being moved for TV over the mm. over this period I've managed to crack in an extra extra few games as well and uh, more importantly did you only get Christmas presents best Christmas present I got was um, I don't know if you've seen on Twitter the um, Panini cheapskates yeah I have yeah, um, the, the Mickey Tate ones yeah so they've they've done a Saints mock-up with I think there's um, I think it's 36 um, Saints Panini stickers from sort of down the years that they've obviously hand drawn to varying degrees of um, being able to work out which player they are. 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've got got um, got an A3 print of that and a nice wooden frame to put it in. So that's that's got pride of place in my hallway now. Nice. Oh, nice, nice, yeah. excellent. Uh, I know we caught up just before Christmas, Adam. But how was yours? A few days off before West Ham. Yeah, it was nice. It was really good. It was really. It seems like a long time ago now because it all got it all got ramped up again after West Ham, and it's been really busy. But it was nice, and it was. Um, I was just trying to tell myself to make the most of it because it's the first time ever in, in my adult life that I've had Christmas Day and Boxing Day off work um, together. Yeah. So it was really, it was really nice just to be able to, you know, see family and not have to think about football on those two days. It was good. And any good Christmas presents for you as well? What do you get the man who's got everything? Well, that's very true. Very true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Link's body wash set, I would have thought. That's compulsory for all of us, isn't it? I got one. Very Alan Partridge, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, I got one. It's, uh, I put it in the cupboard now. To, um, hopefully mum's not listening to this, but I think I've got about 25 from the last 25 years still to use. So, uh, so yeah, but, uh, yeah, slippers and socks as well I got this year. I mean, I'm, I'm sort of treading into your territory, Adam. It'll be cravats next year, definitely. Well, it sounds like you're getting old if the most exciting gifts you're getting are Link's gift sets, slippers and socks. I am getting old. You're not that old. <laughs> anyway, there we go. Moving on. In this podcast, then, we'll uh, have a chat about the West Ham and Manchester City games from this week. Um, we'll also look at uh, what's around the corner with uh, Chelsea and Derby to come. In the middle of the pod, we'll um, get Steve, Adam and your views on 2018 and what your hopes are going into 2019. It's becoming a regular opportunity at this part of the pod to recognise and thank some of the uh, people out there in Podland that are taking the time to support TSP via Patreon slash Total Saints pod. We've been very lucky to receive two more this week since our last podcast, Glenn Brachet. Um, Glenn, not 100% sure where you're based in the world, but thank you very much for signing up. And also Lee Skinner, who's a big fan of the pod and uh, comments a lot and uh, interacts a lot with us on uh, Facebook. So um, very much appreciated that. And uh, he actually sent a... Um, bit of a note three which I said I'd read out so he said good morning and happy Christmas from beautiful Cornwall I've just signed up to Patreon to support the pod and would like to explain why I love your show up until last year I was a long-term season ticket holder at St Mary's and loved going to football regularly we decided to move to Cornwall but one of my hang-ups of moving was giving up regular matches thanks to your podcast I'm able to stay in touch with what is going on with our club and despite living 200 miles down the road I still feel part of the Saints family happy Christmas to you all and uh, once again thank you and that was from Lee Skinner so very much appreciate to Lee and Glenn for signing up um, as I say via Patreon slash Total Saints podcast. Adam quickly before we move on then I thought we shouldn't start the pod without quickly uh, checking that you've done your homework this week and testing you again on the 8 Reindeer. Oh you're an absolute sod. (laughs) Right okay Donna, Dancer, Blitzen, Comet, Vixen, uh, Prancer, Dasher. Oh you're so close think of love. Cupid! Yay, well done. Excellent, excellent. I'm very impressed, that? very impressed. I'm sure everyone that's listening will be very impressed as well, so uh, well done. And uh, there was no uh, preamble on that as well, so caught your card there. Well done. Um, excellent. All right, well, let's get on with the podcast. This is Total Saints Podcast in partnership with saintsworld.co.uk, saintsarchive.com, and sponsored for the 2018-19 season by happyhottubs.co.uk. HappyHotTubs.co.uk At Happy Hot Tubs we specialise in hot tubs. It's all we've done for 35 years. So if you're thinking about a hot tub and want to speak to someone, then we're the place for honest, clear and friendly advice. Plus, right now we have 0% available on our hot tubs, meaning you can spread the cost in easy payments. You deserve happy. Come and get it at Happy Hot Tubs. Conditions apply. Visit HappyHotTubs.co.uk HappyHotTubs.co.uk 0% excludes free throw range. 
After picking up six points in their previous two games against Huddersfield and Arsenal, Saints carried on their busy Christmas schedule with a 2-1 defeat against West Ham on the 27th December and a 3-1 defeat against Pep Guardiola's Manchester City side earlier today, 30th December. Adam, I thought we could combine both games into one rather than sort of break down incident by incident, but a bit of a tough week based on the uh, the sort of results um, after Huddersfield. It's not been great, to be completely honest. Yeah, West Ham, uh, well, to be honest, the, 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 I guess accumulation of the two results, two performances as they were, uh, just feel a little bit deflating, given, I guess, maybe the highs of, of two wins back to back. I mean, it doesn't sound like it should be that high, but given, obviously, um, the lack of wins for a very long time for Saints, it did sort of feel heady days getting all of six points. So, yeah, the West Ham game... Before Huddersfield, I asked Ralph about you know, playing this fixture schedule over Christmas, which he hasn't ever had before, uh, and whether he would think about rotation. And he said, no, I'm not thinking about rotation. We go and we try and win at Huddersfield, too, and then we worry about what's next. So he put out the strongest team he could against Huddersfield and then basically took the same approach for West Ham. So, again, just put out the strongest team he felt he could at that moment in time. Yeah. Um, the thing was, they were obviously very fatigued. I mean, that was obvious. They, was, they were, like, completely out for the count, most of them. Mm. Um, and West Ham, though it was a good time to play West Ham, with 10 players, first-team players missing, they couldn't even field an entire substitutes bench, and players out of position. Saints were just, they were just so jaded, they couldn't take advantage, especially as West Ham, to be fair. Physically, they were well-organised, they were well-drilled, yep. and physically, um, they were just far superior to Saints, athletically, um, on the day. Obviously, Ralph has then looked at that and thought, right, I need to freshen things up some more uh, now for Man City. I can't put those guys out again. And has kind of taken an interesting approach and a pragmatic approach. Interesting in the respect that I think we know an awful lot now about what he thinks about some players in a negative sense. In that when you're freshening up the team and you're leaving out uh, experienced international players, they're not even getting on the bench. Uh, when you're at, you know, a second choice, that pretty much says that, that to me that, that their time at the club is coming to an end um, at some point in the not too distant future, you'd imagine. Also, uh, pragmatic in that it felt like the Man City game was, in effect, we all laughed at the quote at the time of Liverpool, but the damage limitation. There didn't seem to me to be a huge amount of ambition that Saints were going out to win that game. No. Um, from the team that was selected and, and sort of the way it went, which you could say is, as I said, pragmatism because who, you know, it's, even though Man City have lost a couple of games, it's pretty hard to beat Man City to say the very least. Um, and there were other, other games ahead, but nonetheless, it sort of felt like a bit of a, a damp squib and very much a flat atmosphere apart from the five minutes where Saints scored and actually had a little period in that game. Other than that, it felt quite flat, I think, just because most people recognise the fact that the Saints were going to get beaten and it was going to be quite a dull and one-sided game, which is exactly how it proved as Man City just coasted to victory. So, yeah, I guess all in all, a very interesting few days, I think, really interesting and a real insight, uh, I felt, from, from especially the the pre-Man City press conference and some of the things that were said there and then what happened against Man City um, very interesting few days and a real insight into what Ralph's thinking, but also a slightly disappointing few days. Really, uh, I know I'm sure we'll talk about it a bit more, but obviously completely topped off by Hoiberg sending off, which means he basically won't be available for the next four matches yeah. now. So, um, and, you know, Ralph himself said 
that is a quote disaster um and to be fair it probably is mm, yeah steve I, I remember nigel atkins saying you should never get too high when you win you should never get too low when you lose and i think uh, adam and i were trying our best not to get carried away in the podcast last week and certainly having had uh, some criticism a few weeks ago from someone that said it was very negative i, I don't want to get negative straight away but how, how disappointing is it that saints haven't managed to to build on the, the huddersfield result because you know admittedly manchester city are still one of the best sides in europe but i think a lot of us felt today that and, and i you know i have to admit i didn't watch the game I was out actually at a family function but uh, certainly saw the West Ham game but it, it you know it did feel I think both games that clearly against West Ham the players looked tired and then today he's he's chopped you know and changed the side probably understandably but again that that sort of belief that we've spoken about a lot to go out there and win it maybe hasn't been there I think a lot of people will probably just look at the two games as a whole as potentially a slight missed opportunity mm. um I think the West Ham game, I mean, people seem to sort of think that, well, having come off the back of two straight wins, um, West Ham are going to turn up and just going to roll over for us. But people forget there are two teams on, out, on there, out there on the pitch and the opposition are allowed to play well. Yep. And I think credit where it's due, Pellegrini had West Ham set up absolutely perfectly to play against us in the physical condition that we were in. And they they demonstrated no no sort of shortage of quality themselves when they got on the ball. Mm. Um, I mean, it's the first time I've seen Declan Rice play as a holding midfielder, but Christ, he's some player. Yeah, He was exceptional. And at the other end of the pitch, Felipe Anderson showed why you paid 40, 45 million pounds for a player. Mm. Yeah, just two ec- individual excellent performances. And yeah, I mean, we, we kind of huffed and puffed, but never really got going. Um, I actually think today's game against City wasn't, quite as dreadful as I think a lot of people have have made out in that while we started a little bit sluggishly we we had the first chance if Charlie Austin had had a little bit more maybe a little bit more composure maybe been a little bit braver to use his left foot um, rather than trying to take a touch where the ball then spins because El Yanusi's through ball had so much um, side spin on it Mm. as soon as it touches his foot it's gone away from him and I think if Austin has a little bit more confidence, perhaps he hits that left-footed and the keeper, I mean, much like with, with Hoiberg's goal, yep. because he took it so early, the keeper's not had time to adjust and get his body in a position to give him an opportunity to save it. And then obviously City go down the other end and make it 1-0, which was a little bit too easy, really, the way they get in behind target. But other than like the last two or three minutes of the first half, where we then concede the two goals, which we've, we've done against City before, by the way, mm. Um, could see two sloppy goals on the on the stroke of half time when we're well in a game against them. Yeah, we were probably just about on top in in the game at that point because City were they kind of I don't know whether they got complacent in the first twenty minutes because we'd not really got at them very much. So they were they were quite happy knocking it around and Edison was playing passes across his six yard box to company and they were under hitting passes back to each other and giving us a slight opportunity. Mm. And all of a sudden there was just that, that little sense of complacency crept in, which I think is probably what led to the goal in the first place for us. Yeah. I mean, once City get that stroke of luck, which let's face it, it was a stroke of luck uh, for the second goal from uh, Ward Prowse's own goal. Then it's the deflation. And it's like, Oh God, here we go. Yeah. And, I mean, we were we huffed and puffed, but it was, I think, to be honest, second half was a damage limitation exercise in that there wasn't much of a sense of urgency. We were, I thought we were OK when on the rare occasion City actually gave us the ball. 
or at least allowed us to play with it. And we, we did look like we could have we could cause some, some problems. El Yanusi had a couple couple of nice runs. Um Redmond looked pretty lively when he came on. Um I thought Ward Prowse had a very good game actually, given that he's barely been seen in the Saints shirt for most of this season. I have to say I was a, a little bit apprehensive to check my phone uh, when I knew roughly it was going to be hard, uh, full-time, sorry, and uh, yeah, I was slightly relieved to see it was still 3-1. But, you know, you mentioned the West Ham game there and the way Pellegrini um, set them up. I think none of us had any real surprise with Hoiberg out that uh, Romeo came in and that, that was going to be the 11. So I, I guess that almost sort of played into West Ham's hands a little bit because I think, you know, they would have probably expected Saints to go with that same team. Maybe different in terms of the Manchester City game. Um, you know, we know he's got a lot of work to do. I mean, as many of us have said, it doesn't change overnight. But do you think this, this sort of last couple of games has been a bit of a, maybe a reality check for Ralph in terms of, you know, knowing what what the players can deliver, which players will be able to offer him something going forward, which players probably have now proven that they can't do it for him? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you look at the you look at the selections. I mean, you've kind of got to take today's team selection with a little bit of a pinch of salt because of the circumstances. But I think he will have a good idea in his mind now which players aren't going to be anywhere near the team. Mm. Um, I mean, you look at Cedric for one, um, Gabbiadini for another. Neither of those players have even been in the matchday squad, I don't think. No. So I would be amazed if they're here by um, come the end of January. Mm. Um, I mean, again, this comes down to someone being willing to part with some money and actually take them off our hands. And it's both of them are clearly capable footballers but the performances haven't matched what we believe their abilities to be Adam I know you asked uh, him about Cedric earlier the week uh, before the Man City game and I think many of us myself included don't necessarily rate him anyway but are you sort of surprised with the the way that um, Harsen Hutor so sort of quickly ruled out someone like him or sort of you know pretty much said he he's what third in line now I'd imagine if you think of Valerie and Kane uh, Ramsey starting today I am surprised uh, to the extent that, given the situation Saints are in, it seems a slightly risky tactic unless you know that there's a deal tied up for him to go already, which yep. may be the case. We may just not know about that yet. Because when I when I first asked him about Cedric, he he sort of gave the sort of answer you expect, which was um, that you know he's got to wait for his chance. Valerie's been playing well, blah blah blah. But by this point, we kind of knew that Ramsey was was going to be involved, really. Uh, and so I obviously had to ask the follow-up question, well, it's all right saying that with Valerie, but you just said that Valerie needs a rest, and now you're going to play an 18-year-old who's mm. got no experience whatsoever against Manchester City. And showed got, it. Yeah, and you've got a guy who uh, won the European Championships two years ago yeah. and played in the World Cup this summer, who's on a huge contract, who you're not even going to put on the bench. At that point, you're like, you can't just say, Oh, he needs to wait for a chance. I mean, that's, that's, that should be his chance. And if not, there's something else going on. And because of the fact that some of the players that are being ostracized here are senior international players. And I think Ralph, we talked last week about kind of sending out messages and sending out signals. And I think it's good that he's done that, but. We, we have to also acknowledge that there is a flip side to this, which is there is a potential risk to some of this. And I think with alienating potentially senior players, it's a risk you get away with if you're winning games mm. and or you can shift those players on. If at the end of January they're not winning games and those players are still sat around the club for the rest of the season, I think you've got the potential for problems there. There yeah. is a potential for difficulties there, definitely. You know, he's also spoken out 
uh, one or two, like, you know, I don't think anybody would disagree with what he said, but one or two minor criticisms of a few other individuals as well. And uh, I think all, all that considered, you've kind of got this uncompromising, demanding manager, which I think is what they need and what they've needed for a long time. But again, as I've continually said, uh, the difficulty of having that approach in the middle of a season mm. and the middle of a season where you are doing spectacularly badly which is no other way to describe three wins from 20 games, which makes it, you know, a very, a, a more difficult thing to do than if you're trying to have this kind of uncompromising revolution from either a position of strength or in the summer. But for all of that said, the last few managers have had the same group of players and have tried a very different approach, which has been a, you know, very much a kind of arm around the shoulder and nicey, nicey approach. And that's pretty much failed miserably. So I guess why not give this a go? I mean, think Nathaniel Klein is very obviously available from Liverpool mm. and is also very obviously better than either Jan Valery or Kane um, Ramsey at, at this given moment. Um, either one or both of those could go on to be very good players, but they are not there at the moment. And while it's kind of admirable that we're giving them the opportunity, I also think there has to be a degree of pragmatism in that you pick players that are going to be good enough mm. um, in the here and now, because we are in the here and now. And if we don't start picking up a few more wins, because obviously we've seen the results to results today and yesterday, that teams around us are picking up wins somehow, yep. um, despite how dreadful they've mostly all looked, we're going to get sucked back into the bottom three again. I mean, we're obviously only above the dotted line on goal difference again now after Burnley beat West Ham. Got to be a little bit mindful of that as well, I think. Yeah, no, agreed. I mean, it was it was going all right until Fulham scored in the last minute and then Cardiff did. And then, as you say, Newcastle picked up a decent point to Watford and uh, West Ham had lost to us and then, uh, sorry, beaten us and then gone up to Burnley and uh, and lost to them. But uh, just briefly on Kane Ramsey, I mean, there's there's a time and a place for sort of um, sentiment and everything. But as an 18-year-old making his debut, what did you make of his performance today, Steve? Well, he struggled, didn't he? But then <laughs> that was always going to be the case. It's one of those where if it was someone like... Jose Mourinho uh, making that team selection in in that environment, you'd say, well, he's just hung the kid out to dry. Mm. And it was noticeable, particularly second half, that Ward-Prowse was basically operating as a second right back um, in order to give him enough support. And to be fair to Ward-Prowse, I thought his positional discipline in that role was excellent. Um, And he really gave Ramsey all the support that he could possibly offer him, Mm. which meant that Basically, all of City's attacks came down the other side for most of the second half, which was handy. But yeah, he, he struggled. I thought he was um, composed on the ball, but there were quite a few times where he kind of seemed a little bit little bit frantic, a little bit lost, not quite sure where he needed to be. But then the pressure of the situation and the pressure of the opposition you're playing. Um, I mean, City's movement, even in the second half, where they were kind of going through the motions a little bit, they pulled defenders all over the place and they pulled much better and much more experienced defenders than Kane Ramsey all over the place. So Mm. um, he shouldn't be too downhearted with it, but it's one of those where you could very easily lose whatever confidence you've had from being given your first call up. That could be completely obliterated. So it'd be interesting to see how, um, how that's managed over the coming weeks, I guess. Yeah. And from the point of view of, Hasnutal then Adam he sort of mentioned I think it was after the West Ham game that we'd sort of slipped back into some of the mistakes that we'd been making before and uh, you know I, I think one of the things that had impressed us all as fans particularly against Huddersfield and uh, Arsenal was the high press and again the goal today came from uh, you know Saints closing down 
I think many fans realise, outside of Saints, just football fans realise it's impossible to necessarily do a high press all game, every game, every single week. But this sort of slipping back into some of the, the, the sort of negative mindset that they maybe come from, bearing in mind how hard Harsen Hutal is already working on the training ground, it's, it's going to take, or it appears that it's going to take some time for him to really sort of embed that positivity and that, that sort of um, command of what he wants them to do. Of course it is. And and I'm not saying this was the reason to for, to make a change or not make a change. But, you know, I, I pointed out at the time with the style that he is employing to bring him in at this period and expect him to be able to just employ this is optimistic in the extreme. Uh, I mean, today, actually, interestingly, on the Ramsey thing, he kind of started with more of a formation towards which I think he would like to move permanently i don't think he really wants to go four five one permanently but going to a back four i think is where he would like to go yep. with saints and obviously that's how they started off with ramsey 18 year old debutant obviously a right back a, an unfamiliar uh, setting for him in terms of the stadium and the opposition but a familiar position within nine minutes he was playing as the right side of three center halves which is mm. not his position which for an 18 year old debutant against man city um, and though I completely agree, I thought Ward-Prowse really was the shining light today for Saints. But then with Ward-Prowse alongside him as right wing back, I mean, it was that's a tough ask for a kid on his debut, all those things thrown in. Yeah. Um, that's really hard. And, and I think that's the thing. Harsten Hootel is going to take time uh, to get this working. We saw against West Ham uh, the, the sort of physical cost, as it were, of playing in this manner now obviously they've i think after we get derby out of the way next weekend i believe there's only two more midweek games left between well effectively now and august basically Mm. um so obviously there's going to be a lot more time for working on the training ground for recovery after games for fitness work you know as part of the training etc so these things should improve slowly but surely to be honest it's just as well they got that win against Arsenal because you know this is the first weekend and we've said before as well um, about sort of how fortunate Saints have been with with results always seem to go for them recently yeah um, even even when they're losing this is the first weekend where kind of everything's gone against them and now you suddenly look at the table and you think oh that that looks a bit too close for comfort now mm. um and other teams picking up some form and picking up some points as well as whereas a couple of weeks ago it was saints picking up the points and the other teams losing so it's going to be tight and it, you know i mean ralph has said it from the day he came in this is going to be a long hard end to the season in order to try and stay up uh, if they can stay up and i think that that is that still looks to me like the way it's going to go it's still yeah, you know, they've given, they've tried to give themselves a chance, but it's still an if. I, don't, I think they probably will stay up, but I don't say that with any great degree of confidence. So I was working out earlier. I think it's what 18 games they got left, so that's 54 points left to play for. So you get get the feeling that they're probably going to need about half of those to uh, to sort of make it a comfortable finish. That would take them to 40 points, so uh, they're all thereabouts. But uh, yeah, um, uh, Tom Waddock, uh, who uh, listens to the pod, had sent through a tweet earlier and he'd uh, copied in Total Saints podcast. And uh, basically Tom has sort of said that, you know, he's very much of the opinion that there's still some good players at the club, that they need to get fitter, that they need to understand as a team and individually what uh, high press means and really show that fight. And um, we, you know, talking of fight, we uh, we mentioned earlier the Hoybier red card 
again, having not seen it live, um, I've, I've sort of only seen clips of it, and uh, I've also seen Vincent Company uh, flying through the air with two feet, which was an interesting photo. But uh, most of the the views I've seen sort of seem to think it was a a red card. And frustratingly, Steve, as Adam mentioned earlier, that's a four match ban for probably the one player that we couldn't really uh, do without. Yeah, and he's going to miss. A, well, I think it will be an entire calendar month mm. as a result. Get his next game will be the thirtieth of January. Yeah. Um, with five minutes to go in a game where you've already lost the game, it's just utterly brainless. Mm. And it's just infuriating because, as you say, he's been one of, if not the best player for us for most of this season. And yet now he's on the end of a third suspension. Um, so that'll have been six, six games he's missed already this season now. Mm. Mm. Um, which, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not good enough. And I would be amazed if Ralph hasn't gone absolutely ballistic at him for that yeah. um i mean yes you can certainly look at the somewhat one-eyed performance of the referee in terms of some of the decisions and cards dished out today because i mean not content with obviously the debatable penalty decision which i mean to be honest i th- i think was a dive mm-hmm. but when you put it into context of other penalties that have been given even this weekend um, yeah, well, and last weekend the same player involved yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's one of those that if it was literally at the other end of the pitch, the ref would have probably given it. Mm. And then a minute later, you've got um, Laporte steams in two-footed to challenge for the ball. Um, the referee then gives a goal kick as opposed to the, to either a corner or a free kick. And then, as you say, Vincent Company diving in in the second half where he's only getting a yellow card um, because we're not surrounding the referee yeah. and because it's Vincent Company. He's a well-spoken, uh, well-spoken man who's who's been on match the day before. Therefore, he couldn't possibly um, put in a horrendous two-footed dangerous challenge on someone. Mm. All of a sudden, we're the, we're the ones on, on the sharp end of it and it's costing us as I say, for the next month. Yeah. Referees in this league, I've, I've banged this drum before, referees in this league are dreadful. Yep. Absolutely pathetic. And if anything, the one, I mean, I know there's been sort of debate about VAR and all this sort of stuff, whether it's good or bad for the game. The one thing that it will, well, or should bring in is a slight balance to decisions in terms of whether they're given or not given to the big clubs, mm. because you you should see the same decision if it was referred to to the video referee will be given at each end of the pitch, and there will be no bias in the referee's mind in that oh it's it's such and such a player or we're at we're at Old Trafford or we're at Anfield in front of the cop I'm going to give it this way or that mm. there will be hopefully a bit of balance applied finally wow. which will take the edge off some of the absolutely frankly pathetic um weasel decision making that we've seen oh one other thing i remember from today actually speaking of um our friend paul tierney he booked um danilo for fairly cynical foul and danilo basically walked away from the referee just ignored him um the referee whistled hard and sort of gestured to him to come to him danilo basically just stood there not interested in moving at all and rather than the referee growing a pair and sort of reinforcing his um, sort of authority in making the player come to him, he just bottled out of it and trotted over to him and, and showed him the yellow card. Mm. Now, if you're not going to apply any um, discipline or have any sort of, I don't even know what, what you'd call it, really. Yeah, just respect, isn't et- et- it, really? For well, the, respect and etiquette. Yep. Then what's the point? We might as well just give up and go home. The respect campaign, I mean, as long as it's died on its ass, but grassroots referees have got absolutely no chance when, when the top-level guys are letting um, sport brats get away with stuff like that. 
I saw um, Paul Tunney's from Wigan as well anyway, which is pretty much on Manchester doorstep, isn't it? So it's probably uh, the reason behind those decisions. But uh, just um, finally, Adam, um, Steve mentioned there the penalty decision. Um, you know, we've seen Mo Salah dive last week, not get any sort of repercussions for it, get a penalty, pretty much do the same thing against Arsenal, get a penalty. Similar sort of thing with James Ward-Prowse. But I, I guess all, you know, also the decision for the West Ham second goal... Um, with Bednarek being held back, admittedly, you know, our goal was probably handball as well. But, you know, we spoke last week and the week before about maybe the luck turning. But again, in terms of sort of decisions and uh, some of the things that have happened the last couple of games for Saints, it's maybe gone the other way. Well, maybe. I, I don't know. I didn't. To be honest with you, I, I didn't think the referee had a great game in the nitty gritty of the game today. Um, but I actually think he got pretty much all the big decisions right, to be honest. So I haven't got too many complaints really and likewise I think you know West Ham as well and I know what you're saying about a bit of misfortune I suppose maybe but West Ham like you said the goal was handball anyway so yeah I don't I don't think that there's really too too many complaints that the results are anything to do with that to be honest um I think there's other things to look at but like I said I mean I think it's worth trying to also um amongst the negatives pick out the positive and like I said I really feel that the performance of Ward Prowse deserves highlighting because it's interesting with him because we mentioned him last week of course as yep. the the one that was the kind of the great hope that this would be the manager who could finally sort of bring something out of him and then he wasn't involved and now he has got involved and and he's played really well and he's, as Steve rightly said he showed great defensive discipline when playing I, I would call it right wing back but it was sort of right back in a five as it were yep. um, and then also played well in, in midfield. And I, I wonder now whether Hoiberg's uh, absent is going to perhaps see Prousey get a bit of a chance in the, in the central midfield role that he really has always wanted to play. I wonder if he might get a chance if he's kind of earned himself that first shout at that in Hoiberg's absence, especially as Lamina really doesn't seem to be fit at the moment, it, despite the fact they keep on chucking him out there and then having to keep taking him off because he's, he's obviously not quite fit enough. It'll be really interesting to see if, if he can kind of finally take this chance as it were and actually cement a place because if he, if he can't do it again under another manager you wonder if he's ever going to be able to do it as Saints yeah one thing that uh, didn't slip uh, my view over the weekend uh, Steve was uh, if you uh, can remind everyone what your prediction was for the Man City game Oh, I think I predicted a 3-1 defeat. You did, you did. So three mm. points, well done. The uh, Prediction League has uh, gone much like the Fantasy League now in that uh, there's been uh, some jostling of positions, but Steve and myself are on 12 and uh, languishing down in third place is Adam Leach on 10 points, Adam. So uh, neither Fantasy League or uh, Prediction League is going particularly well for you. As Ralph rightly said, it's a long, hard season and it's a long way to go yet. I'm still confident. As you know, I actually got last dibs on this week's prediction um, when, when you contacted us to confirm what we wanted to do for this week. And I'd already said that my score had already gone. So, you know, I feel I'm, feel, I'm the one who's been hard done by here. Which one of the two was the one that you were going to go for? <laughs> definitely 3-1. Yeah. Right. OK, yes. Yeah, <laughs> Honest. But I'd like to just clear up that I sent the message to both of you at the same time and Steve was the first to respond. It wasn't like you got last dibs, Adam. Well, I did. I was just being obviously being a bit too tardy on <laughs> on the message front, wasn't I? But um, yeah, oh dear, oh dear. I, I'm uh, I can, surely I can come back from this. There's there's well, room. It's, to come well, back. it's only two points. That's one game potentially. Okay. Exactly. Yeah.
So I thought as it's coming up to the end of uh, 2018, we'd take a moment to reflect on uh, 2018 as a Saints fan and uh, maybe think about some of our hopes and expectations for 2019. So popped out a, a tweet and out on uh, Facebook this morning to ask for some of your views and uh, thanks to everyone that replied. A couple of people uh, read through and then we'll get Stephen Adams' views. Um, Andy Davis at Andy Davis 1978. 2018 started bad, sold the crown jewels, spent it on a striker, got worse, Pellegrino gone too late, Hughes in, Super Gabby a summer of hope, strange signings, all similar to what we already have. Preseason was bad, season even worse. Hughes and Reed gone. Bad Ralph still here. Good Ralph comes in to save the day. Finally, some positivity at the club. We even scored some goals and won a home game. 2019, we play good football. We look like we care. Youngsters get a chance. The overpaid dross is sold. Some new signings to freshen things up. We stay up. Bad Ralph goes. New director of football in place. Good Ralph gets his players in. We sign a good defender. The Saints are back. I like the sound of that, Andy. That's good work there. Um, Ryan Taylor, at Ryan underscore Saints FC. Let's have it right. 2018 has been 95% disaster. 5% staying up. And let's Ralph can sort us out in 2019 with an acceptable amount of home wins to start. Adam, let's come to you first then. Short and sweet, what's uh, your reflection on 2018 as a whole for Saints? Well, it's been a dreadful year, but one that could have been a bit, little bit worse. You know, it's kind of been disaster averted year, really. Um, flirting with it, but just about got away with it. I mean, I think it's six Premier League wins in, in the whole of 2018, mm. which is, you know, it's, uh, it's appalling. And, you know, three managers now, three permanent managers, I think. So that's not good either. You look at the outlay they've had this year in terms of the actual players they've signed and the value they've got for what they've spent this year and the amount they've spent on paying off managers and getting in new managers. Um, I mean, it's been waste of an industrial scale Mm. in terms of the cash uh, saints. So it's been a very bad year. It's been an incredibly bad year, I would say. But... Obviously, as I said, it could have been that little, little bit worse with just a couple of results going the other way. And it wasn't. And I think, you know, my reflection was, despite all the talk of like we were just talking about bad luck, they got extraordinarily lucky at the end of last season. And thanks to Swansea's uh, unbelievable scale of capitulation, were able to scrape over the line with a number of points that I wouldn't have believed with two months of the season would have kept you up. Mm. Uh, So... Yeah, so they, they got lucky, and now it's a case of trying to make the most of it. I still feel that I just, I just, I mean, I'm already talking about it once, and promise I wouldn't talk about it again, but I'm going to anyway as we're talking about reflections. Just think that the end of the season should have been really that point to have really taken stock and to have done something proactive. Yeah, they didn't do that, and now they're paying the cost this season, and we wait to see whether they get away with it again. Mm. I think that's the ultimate thing. They have now at least in the last month or two, made what I would consider to be some positive moves. Um, I think the change uh, with Les Reed and Martin Hunter is the right thing to do. I think that getting Harsen Hutu in is the right thing to do. But with both of these, it's the timing rather than the decisions themselves that are more questionable. But I guess the problem for Saints is that they just feel like they've backed themselves into such a corner due to, let's be frank, terrible decision making Mm. um but they've kind of ended up having to make these decisions feeling like it's sort of last chance saloon which is kind of where they ended up at the end of last season with getting rid of Pellegrino and getting in Hughes there was always that feeling if we remember back but damage that could be done by changing manager was so significant until they got to that stage after that Newcastle game away from home 
uh, which you I was going to say you'll remember, but you won't remember because you're in the concourse drinking beer, hiding from it. I remember was, the first half hour. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> was um, the point when they said, well, actually, this can't it cannot get any worse no matter what happens. So those are my reflections, really. They've probably ended up now at a point in the in the club where they are. They look to me much better placed to have a positive short to medium term future. Uh, long term, I don't know about because I have no idea what the hell Gal's doing. Mm. Um, but short to medium term, when you just look at the football side, to have a more positive future. But the thing that constantly drags me back to thinking this is still going to be a long relegation battle for them and one that may or may not be successful is the fact that the, the timing of these decisions has landed them in this problem. Not the decisions that they've come to. It's just why did they take them so long to get to these decisions when they could clearly have done this in the summer to my view no fair enough and uh, I have to say um, just to back up what you said there um, I saw a tweet this evening from Ben Mayhew who is the head of data analytics at the press association at experimental 361 he put up a league table of uh, the Premier League and all of the uh, EFL um, for 2018 Adam Um, Saints were 90 out of 92 in terms of 0.84 average uh, points per game so basically only Reading and Huddersfield have been worse than us in 2018 six wins from 37 games as you said so uh, kind of comprehends uh, what, what you said there I've retweeted it and it's on our uh, Twitter timeline if anyone wants to uh, have a look through uh, suffice to say some other South Coast clubs uh, particularly one of them in League One was uh, a lot lot higher up Steve uh, I probably won't get you to talk about 2018 because I think Adam's summed it up quite nicely there um, one thing that Adam said at the end of last year was that he hoped that Saints would become a, a football club again and maybe not so much of a business so my two questions would be do you think they've done that or do you think that they've started to do that? And then I guess what your hopes are for next year for them, Steve? Well, I would say largely no. They're still very much business first. And that's in so many different aspects of the club. I mean, one very recent example that has really got my goat, um, to be honest. Obviously, we've had this sponsorship deal with Virgin Media for the last um, what 18 months or so and part of that has involved them subsidizing every single away fan that comes to St Mary's whereas they only pick and choose like one or two games a season to actually help out fans of the club that they're actually giving money to mm. and for some stupid reason this season the one game one of the two games that they've picked is Chelsea away now Chelsea is the second closest away game that we have and it's in London, therefore it's very easy to get to. We almost always sell it out, yep. particularly now that there's a cap on the away prices. So you, you're not paying the 50, 60 quid that they used to charge. You're paying 30 quid maximum. So they've decided that the Chelsea game is the one they're going to subsidise down to 20 quid. Mm-hmm. And then to compound that, the Saints ticket office, in their infinite wisdom, decided that they were going to um, only take the smaller allocation. So we only had 1,400 tickets for this game, mm-hmm. which obviously were sold within, I think, a day and a half. Now, we'd have sold 3,000 tickets for that at 30 yeah. quid, yeah. let alone 3,000 tickets at 20. Why do they not pick, like, Burnley away, where arguably it's a bigger game for the club? In fact, actually, no, I, I would say there's no argument that's a bigger game for the club. Mm where it's difficult to get to. It's expensive on the trains. Um, It's obviously a long way up up the country. The weather's likely to be bloody awful. Why not encourage people to get to that game where the away support that we get will be much more useful, I think, in terms of getting points on the board that are going to be going to prove vital at the end of the season. There's just no there's no joined up thinking within the club at all. It's all about business first. It's all about the bottom line. And 
that has been our problem for probably two and a half years now, I would say. I think that's a very good point. And as someone that's just sorted out train ticket to Burnley, I totally agree with you. Yeah, I mean, like, I think the cheapest train from, like, even out of London up to Burnley is probably you're looking at 60, 70 quid return now. Mm. Um, and from Southampton, it'd be even worse because you either go through London, in which case you've got to pay that distance first, or you get that hideous uh, cross-country train that zigzags its way up the country and takes about eight years to arrive. <laughs> Yeah, same with us being based up here. It's like I feel like I'm going to be Michael Palin by the time I make it to the Jimmy Anderson Cricket Pavilion. Yeah, we've obviously got this Saints voice panel thing in in place now. Whether whether they actually have a voice or whether the club is basically just going to use them as a um, as a sounding board. Take the example of them releasing uh, that question a, a few weeks ago about potentially moving the away end at St Mary's. It's like, well, it's not really a priority anymore. No. It was a key issue back when the stadium opened and the club ignored everything that, that the fans said then. But now the stadium is built in such a way that it, it seems difficult to move them now. So why is that a question that's being raised when there are other more important issues? Fair enough. No, no I agree with a lot of that. But uh, come on then, positive hat on 2019. Where are we going to go, Steve? What are we going to do? How are we going to do it? Just taking like the last few weeks, I think if everybody had like before the Arsenal game, if if you'd said we're going to get six points from the next four games, Arsenal, Huddersfield, West Ham, and Man City, I think everyone would have assumed, well, we'll win at Huddersfield and we'll probably beat possibly beat West Ham yep. and lo- lose to the two big clubs. Then I think everybody would have said, yeah, fair enough. That's that's not too bad. We're, it's something to build on, and and we'll see where we go from that. And the fact that we unexpectedly beat Arsenal but then lost to West Ham, nobody should really be that surprised because that's a very, it's a very Saints thing to do, isn't it? Build your hopes up and then, and then knock them down when, when you think you've, um, you've got everything sussed. Yep. But I, th- I think there have been positive signs. As we, we said earlier in the season, there were positive signs from, from a lot of um, games under Hughes. It was just we weren't learning any lessons mm. um, from the mistakes that we were making. And I think for me, the key is finding a settled team that works in the system that that Ralph wants to play, whether that means we're signing four players um, like next week in order for them to be in the team early in January. I don't know Um, whether he feels he can work with what he's what he's got at the moment. Um, I guess we'll find out. I suspect the answer probably lies somewhere in the middle of that. But as I say, positive signs in terms of the system he wants to play from looking at the Arsenal and Huddersfield games and as Adam pointed out earlier the fact that we've only got two midweek games um, left this season means that he's going to have four weeks to prepare for each match now so we shouldn't be able to use that as an excuse beyond probably the derby game I would say Mm. particularly given that I would imagine there'll be some heavy rotation for that game as well and I think if the fitness is right and the mentality is right then I don't see why we can't keep our heads above the water until May and then give him a full pre-season. We um, sort things out in terms of personnel. I, I would imagine we're, we're going to be very busy this, um, this coming summer. Mm. And then who knows? Uh, maybe we get back to being what we were before, which was kind of maybe best of the rest. 
No, absolutely. I, I have to say, uh, just to, to get my sort of two pence in, I mean, I had a lot of what you said there, Stephen. I think many Saints fans will agree. I mean, I had for 2018, very disappointing. I think too much change, you know, when you look at the uh, sort of personnel, particularly in the, the, the sort of non-playing side. So Reed, Hunter, Black, Hughes and Co., Pellegrino and Co., all those sort of people leaving the club and uh, three managers in one year is never good, you know. So there's not really been that stability. And I think, as Adam says a lot, and it still frustrates me that we've, you know, we've had no real sort of communication direction strategy from Gao so what's going to happen going into next year but I think you know for me it's clear now we've got a talented enthusiastic passionate manager it's about supporting him it's about squad overhaul I wrote down exactly the same word that you had which is settled team trying to play attractive pressing football given academy and youth opportunities which again you know a lot of our success over the years has been based on and I'm not just talking about the youngsters coming through I'm talking about the likes of Jake Hesketh Harrison Reed, Sam Gallagher those sort of players that given a chance could be ready for the first team and then the final thing I got here is to push for a mid-half um, finish next season of course all of that relies on uh, staying in the Premier League but um, for me you know none of that is, is unfathomable I think with the right sort of um, organisation and structure and uh, the right signings um, it's all possible so just before we come to you then Adam a, a few more so Oliver Francis at OliF94 said 2018 was pretty much the same as 2017 but Les leaving at the end and a positive and exciting manager and Ralph coming in leaves me excited for 2019 hopefully Gal reveals his intentions with the restructuring of the board to remove any doubt we have about him I'm hoping we will make youth and the academy the focus of the team again get rid of players you haven't improved or will not bring in money when sold in favour of exciting prospects hopefully we can use profits from sales to bring in a big star every now and then so very similar to my view there from uh, Oliver Francis um, Steve Orbin 2018 was really a year to forget Ralph was the perfect early Christmas present though 2019 I hope the fans realise this won't be a quick fix we all need to stay together and see this through I have nothing against McCarthy but I do think we need to give Gunn a few games and just finally Saints World I think ultimately 2018 will be remembered as the year Saints SC started its transition to a new strategy and 2019 will be the year we start to see what the new strategy entails more so if we are still a Premier League club anyway which I'm optimistic under Ralph Hasenhutl we will be so just to, to sort of finish this section then Adam 2019 what are your sort of hopes expectations it's got to be number one very short term aim is to scrape together enough points to stay in the league and then let the revolution begin, basically, in terms of the, the playing squad. And I think it will in the summer, but they've got to get to that point still in the Premier League. Um, and I think that that is going to still be a very, very major challenge. Um, as good as I think Ralph might well be, um, early days yet, but as good as I think he might well be, I think that there's a... I think we're seeing now that kind of reality and I think the reality maybe for him is setting in as to how big a task that is still going to be because A, you're, you've got to get points yourself and B, you're relying on other teams not getting points and when I look at the bottom of the table I see Huddersfield going in my opinion to get cut adrift which mm -hmm. I kind of predicted after we saw them last week or a couple of weeks ago and they were dreadful um, I think they're only going one way but I think everybody else is going to be like Saints. I think they're going to lose some games, plenty of games, but they're probably going to keep on doing enough to keep their fans hoping that it won't be them for the rest of the season. I think Fulham are probably going to improve under Ranieri and they'll probably spend some more money, yeah. which is a big advantage they've got. Burnley are probably going to be mired in that area, but they'll be well organised and hard to beat at home and that will keep them in it. Uh, Cardiff, I could see Cardiff falling off, but nonetheless, 
under Warnock, you expect them to probably be competitive again, especially at home. Mm. Um, and then you're looking who else is getting sucked in. You know, Crystal Palace think they'll probably have too much. Newcastle again think they'll probably just about scrape staying out of it. Can't see anybody else getting sucked in. And so then it's on Saints. I don't think you're going to have lots of teams fall away this year. So they're actually going to need to you know, produce some more form themselves than they really did last year in order to stay up. So that's number one. And then, like I said, number two is next season. What I would really like to see um, remains uh, some more direction, really some more clear direction as to where the club is going. And I think that there remains no mystery to me why... Um, fans struggle to get behind what's going on. It's not obviously just because of the results, though that is obviously a large part of it, but it's because they don't understand where the club is going or what they're doing or why these decisions are being made. And I appreciate that Ralph Kruger has fronted up and I think he's been brave to do so on a couple of occasions and has taken a lot of the flack and, um, you know, he's being very well paid to presumably stand there and say, oh, I'm passing on the message from Mr. Gow. But, Nonetheless, I still still come back to the fact that whilst we don't know what the ownership wants, then it's hard to get behind everything that's happening. Um, so hopefully we'll get some more clear indications if felt that now is not a good time than in the summer. And it will be clear as to what's happening. Everybody will be pulling in the same direction for more success in the Premier League. Adam Leach and Steve Grant, sponsored by happyhottubs.co.uk. Moving on to the common days, Saints have two tricky away games now for different reasons. Firstly, it's Chelsea in the Premier League at Stamford Bridge and then the uh, third round FA Cup tie at Pride Park. Starting with Chelsea then, uh, Steve, um, not going to dwell on it for, for ages, but um, a bit of a different away test for Hasenhutl after the Huddersfield game. Yeah, um, and it'll be one where we will be expected to be on the back foot for a significant part of it. Uh, perhaps not to the same extent as you would expect against Man City. I think Chelsea are slightly more vulnerable than, than City are in certain areas. I think they're slightly more sort of fun- a functional team rather than a side with a very clear and, and obvious game plan. But, I mean, they've obviously got quality throughout the team and they're, they're once again going to be tough opponents, particularly Eden Hazard, who seems to never have a bad game against us. Um, so I've, I've absolutely no doubt that we will be kicking the crap out of him on on, uh, on Wednesday night. Yeah, I, I wrote down here, we seem to say it in every pod ahead of a Chelsea game, uh, Steve, but Eden Hazard is in top, top form. But uh, there we go. Um, yeah, Adam, from a sort of Saints point of view, then before we do our predictions, um, how, do, how do Saints go about getting something at Chelsea? Because, uh, yeah, as Steve says, it's probably going to need a bit of a defensive masterclass. I mean, they'll make the changes. I think it'll be the reverse of kind of the change, most of the changes that we saw. So I think uh, they'd probably go back to three centre-halves from the start. Uh, Yoshida, Vestergaard come back, I imagine. Um, Valerie I'm, probably comes back. I'm not so sure we'll go three at the back because Chelsea only play one up front. And so I think you just get overrun in midfield if you've got an extra defender against their, against the one up front, whether that's Morata, Giroud or Hazard as a as a false nine, as he has been playing a little bit recently. Um, I'd be surprised, I think, if we went three or five. But I guess it depends, Steve, because you know, he's picked up two wins by playing that formation as well. So maybe yeah, that's he, true. Yeah. 
But then we don't have one of our key central midfielders, as as we've mentioned, is out for the next month. So mm. uh, it does make it slightly slightly more difficult. Yeah. What would you do in that central midfield position then? Because I think many of us are starting to get a bit frustrated with Mario Lamina as well. So with Hoybierg out and Lamina not really performing, would you change it completely? I guess there's an argument for changing formation slightly well, in, in the central midfield area without Hoiberg. I don't, I don't, it's difficult. I mean, I, I think you want to bring, I mean, Stu Armstrong is obviously somebody who could play in that role, but I think he's better further advanced. So I imagine that uh, Ings, Redmond, Armstrong axis will come back. Interestingly, Harsin Utel said he was going to bring at least two, maybe three of those on at half time. Um, a Man City until they conceded those two goals mm. and then just thought well basically we've lost so I may as well not bother um, and keep them fresh for, for Chelsea so we can be sure that they're all coming back in in terms of what you do I mean who who do you play I mean obviously Lamina is the obvious choice but he's got to be fit enough to play and it's no good him keep on lasting you know 45 minutes an hour of variable quality and then having to come off so I guess he's best placed to decide on whether whether he's ready or not. But I think we're talking short term here because he's not badly injured, I don't think. So I'm sure, um, you know, Chelsea's the one, really. You want him to play against Chelsea, I suppose. And then um, you've got time then before Leicester and Everton with the, the next two league games that, that he misses to, to try and work out. And in the meantime, if he's not there, I suspect, given how glowingly he spoke of Ward-Prowse, it'll be Ward-Prowse given a chance. Right predictions then we're going to shoot straight to those um adam obviously after your verbal outburst earlier we're coming to you first oh no but that means now i've got nothing to blame exactly, exactly. It wrong. <laughs> this oh, is the position you what? put yourself in i make no apologies okay. i will go for a uh, 2-1 chelsea win 2-1 chelsea win all right then steve what are you going for I'm going to go for 2 0. I oh. think they're. Yeah, I mean. That's why. They've from... got a good defensive record, haven't they? Yeah. They're not, and only Liverpool are better in the top six. Yeah, which is strange because they've, they've, looked, they've looked really vulnerable at times. I think Marcus Alonso is not really doing it anymore. David Luiz is always hit and miss. And they don't quite seem comfortable with the system that Sarri's trying to play, even though they obviously had a really good start to the season. The last month to six weeks or so, they've they've looked a little bit ropey at times. Um, obviously lost at home to Leicester the other week, were pushed reasonably by Palace earlier today. And I mean, they're, they're there to be got at, but I, I'm just not sure we're quite going to have the quality to um, to break them down. And I think Chelsea, Chelsea will ultimately huff and puff, um, but do just enough to win it comfortably. But it will be a sort of walking pace the last 20 minutes. Both both sides will kind of declare it at 2-0, I suspect. See, this is the trouble with me always going last. Now, you've taken... I had 2-0 written down here, Steve. I don't you don't know. always go last. <laughs> well, I do generally, because I, I you know, sort of treat you two as uh, esteemed guests. So, of course, it puts me in a very vulnerable position. But uh, I don't really know where to go with it. Do I go 3-0 or 1-0, Steve? What do you reckon? How about going for a Saints win? I did that against West Ham, and look how that turned out. <laughs> so, right, I'm going to go 3-0 defeat. Yeah. Good. <laughs> um, after Chelsea, then, it's uh, FA Cup action versus Derby. Um, just briefly touching on Derby, then, Adam, you, you saw the Saints-Derby pre-season game. A lot of water has gone under the bridge for both sides since then. Um, I'm imagining it's going to be quite a different tie. Let's hope so. <laughs> the Saints were bloody awful that day, to be completely honest. Yeah, I mean, it's, it'll be very interesting. I think that... Uh, 
I kind of, I mean, it's difficult because it comes in the run of a lot of games, but I sense that really trying to take this cup seriously is probably a good idea for Saints this season. I know that the focus obviously is on the Premier League, but because of they've only got those two midweek games, it's not as if they're overloaded with matches between mm. now and the end of May, and you can't really use that as an excuse not to take the cup seriously when you're not in Europe and you're already out, of the, you know, long out of the League Cup. So they've got two blank weekends that are booked in for FA Cup fixtures as well. The next couple of rounds, the scrapped replays, haven't they, after the yep. after that point as well. So I can see no reason not to give it a go. And ultimately, winning games is just what Saints need to do. They need to win some matches. They need to get used to winning again uh, and winning more regularly. So I, I can't really, other than, you know, fatigue, tiredness, whatever, I can't really... Um, foresee any logical argument for fielding a particularly weakened team up at Derby. I think that Saints should actually try and win the tie and, and get through. Interestingly, I'm not sure that's necessarily the case for Derby, mm. because obviously their eye is firmly on uh, trying to get promoted, do the best they can in their first season in the championship under Lampard, and the championship being the league it is, they do actually have a lot of games to play. Mm. Um, and so if it's not their priority, I wonder if they will perhaps take it seriously. So I think it's a good opportunity for Saints. And and the thing is, I think that if you throw this away, you're throwing away the chance of some real uh, bit of positivity, a bit of momentum, maybe another one or two wins along the way as well, um, which I don't think is something that Saints can afford to do. I think that'd be quite a foolish move uh, at this stage of proceedings. So uh, as well as, you know, a defeat and an exit to the cup from a team from a lower division. Yes, Derby are actually quite good, but nonetheless, it's still getting knocked out by a lower league team. How's that going to help anybody or anybody's confidence? So I, I, I hope they take it seriously. I, I think they should. It wouldn't be the first time that that's happened. But as you mentioned, uh, Derby play Middlesbrough on New Year's Day, Adam, and then they've got Leeds away the Friday after. As uh, Adam mentioned there, Steve, they're right in the sort of thick of the, the championship promotion race. And um, Lampard seemed to have built a, a team with you know some good youngsters, many of them on, on loan and sort of experienced players. You think of the goalkeeper and the centre-back and some of the other players. So um, it will certainly be a tough test, whatever team they put out and whatever team we put out. Yeah, well, as you say, they're they're a useful side. They're in contention certainly for, to get back up into the into the Premier League. Um, and of course, should remind us we we are contractually obliged to call them Frank Lampard's Derby County. Um, that's that's compulsory. Just set, yeah, yeah, just set in stone that is. Yeah. Um, but as I say, they're they're a decent side, but they're not they're not anything to be afraid of. I wouldn't have said. And um, I think Adam Adam's right in that. It's a competition that we should be taking seriously, mm. given that it doesn't up until you get to the, I think, the quarterfinal, it doesn't impact any league games other than the potential to have a two week break at the end of January. Yep. If you get knocked out in this round to maybe recharge batteries, go away somewhere and do some warm weather training or whatever. Um, I think that would be the only potential positive that you could see from it. Really, um, there's no reason why we shouldn't be trying to win every game we play. Mm. In terms of, as you say, getting a bit of confidence, getting that winning mentality back into the team. Um, I mean, let's face it, we were absolutely god awful last season, and yet we still got to the got to an FA Cup semi final. Yeah, no reason why we can't do that again. No. Draw dependent, obviously, and I mean we got a relatively kind draw through most of the last season, but it's happened before, 
and I'm sure it'll happen again at some point. It's if we um, get through this one, who knows? We all seem to get drawn away a lot in the cups, which I know absolutely delights Adam, which kind of delights me as well, and in, in uh, inside a little bit. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I have to to say, um, <laughs> I have to say, I'm going to scupper our cup chances straight away because we're going to move on to predictions. I'm going to go first, and I'm going to say we're going to win two one. So that is us out of the FA Cup, Steve. Um, I'm going to go for the result that neither side wants, which the two will draw, and therefore we'll have to have a tedious replay on a horrible cold Tuesday night at St Mary's. <laughs> you love your two all draws, don't you? Um, good, right. Adam Leach? Oh, all my predictions are gone. Oh, um, goes, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have a horrible feeling in my head should be a draw as well, and they'll get through the replay. But I am going to go for, therefore, a 2 0 Saints win. Thanks for listening to Total Saints Podcast, both this episode and throughout 2018. On the whole, we've really enjoyed putting them together and seeing the pod grow. We look forward to an even healthier 2019, both for TSP and hopefully for Saints on and off the pitch. Steve, Adam and myself would like to wish you all the very best for the new year. Here's to 2019. Until next time and next year, keep marching in. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans.